guys? It's Lindsay. And Carly. And welcome back to your favorite podcast, Late Night Talks. I know this podcast is full of us talking about the most recent drama, Hottest Boys, and Harry Styles, but we've decided to switch it up to educate you, and you're welcome. I know it's very much different from what we normally do, but we've got some totally cool information for you, so we're introducing a new segment that we'll surprise you with here and there called Spilling the Tea with History. Today we're going to be spilling the tea about imperialism when everyone decided to go crazy and try to gain power, because why not? Specifically, we are going to be spilling the tea about imperialism in China when Great Britain was feeling a little too superior and the opium wars began. So let's jump right into it. Carly, do you want to start us off by talking a little about life before imperialism in China and what led up to the opium wars? Yeah, so basically life before was not great. It's not like other countries like India where they had their own way of doing things and everything was going good. The empire was very controlling and during King's rule was one disaster after another. There was a lot of famine, poor management, and natural disasters, along with pretty humiliating defeats against peasant rebellions and foreign forces that they thought of as barbarians like the British and Japanese. Yeah, there were also divisions throughout the country based on socioeconomic status, ethnicity, and religions, and it left China in great disunity, which made it really vulnerable to foreign intrusions. China was also very selfish and standoffish in the sense that they had a policy of isolation. They were ethnocentric, which means that they believed they were inherently superior to all other ethnic groups or cultures. They thought of themselves as the center of the world and did not want to associate with other countries. It created a lot of problems because they forbade any direct trade or contact between the Chinese civilians and European merchants. And they also restricted the Europeans to specific locations like the harbor of Canton and the island of Macau. But there was one thing that they would accept in trade. It was one thing and one thing only, silver, and the British really wanted goods from China like teas, silk, and porcelain, which were all more luxurious items for high-class Europeans demonstrating their wealth. But since China wasn't interested in any British goods, the only option for the British was silver, which was an unfavorable balance of trade for Britain, to say the least, and they were losing a lot of money because of the demand for silver as the only thing they would accept in return. So economically, this meant that the Chinese were profiting from the silver trade while the European countries and Great Britain were not thought of the only thing they could do and decided let's trade them a ridiculous amount of drugs that sounds like a great idea yeah pretty much because who wouldn't want that so britain opened up china trading with the rest of the world so that basically sums up what led up to china being imperialized by great britain they were greedy and wouldn't trade with them like the rest of the world so great britain took it a step further and got the entire generation addicted to opium even though it was illegal pretty good planning on great britain's part we were able to find a personal story from the time of all the opium drama. So Zhu Zed, member of the Council and Board of Rights, was in favor of banning opium and presented the following memorial. He wanted to remove opium, which he saw as a great evil to the people from the country. He said, I would humbly point out that where an evil exists, it should be at once removed, and that the laws should never suffer to fall into destitute. Our government, having received from heaven the gift of peace, has transmitted it for two centuries. This has afforded opportunity for the removal of evils from among the people, for governing the central nation and for holding in submission all the surrounding. Barbarians' rules exist perfectly in their nature, and we are well fitted to attain their end. He says that here the people's minds gradually become callous and base desires springing up among them increase day by day and month by month till their rank luxuriance has spread over the whole empire. So basically he's saying how the entire empire has become addicted and day by day it's increasing and it needs to be stopped. And their empire that has had the gift of peace from heaven is basically being destroyed by this opium. China realized their entire country was addicted to opium and the grown men who were supposed to be working spent their entire day spooning each other getting high. The country got a little bit annoyed to say the least. I mean, low-key understandable though. 
So then the Emperor of China had sent Queen Victoria a letter, which is basically their version of an email in the olden days, and Carly and I were curious about what he said in it. So we asked him, and he sent us the entire letter. We're going to read the important parts to you in a minute, but basically he was trying to act peacefully while also threatening to stop trading altogether. He started off by saying that the purpose of your ships in coming to China is to realize a large profit, and he questioned her on how can foreigners return injury for the benefit they have received by sending this position to harm their benefactors. He says that they are so obsessed with material gain that they have no concern whatsoever for the harm they can cause to others, which is a little dramatic if you ask me. Yeah, continued on asking if they have no conscience. Considering opium is illegal in Great Britain, how could they ever allow their merchants to be ruining an entire generation of Chinese people getting everyone addicted to the drug when they clearly know how harmful it is? He tries to guilt trip the queen by asking how they could bring that harm into other countries when they do not wish it for it to harm their own. He goes on and on and makes some reasonable points like, since we do not really need these things, what harm would come if we should decide to stop foreign trade altogether? After a little threatening, he then dials it back a notch by saying he has heard you are a kind, compassionate monarch, and you will not do to others what you yourself do not desire. And he is aware that Queen Victoria ordered the British ships to stop bringing prohibited goods to China. However, that has not happened. He says, I am sending you this letter to reiterate the seriousness with which we enforce the law of the celestial empire and to make sure that merchants from your honorable country will not attempt to violate it again. Now that is T if I've ever heard it. So I think he's being pretty reasonable. I mean, I'm not defending the communistic ways of China or anything, but if I were a ruler of a country and not just a podcaster and another nation got my entire nation addicted to opium, I'd be kind of irritated. Yeah, right. So he continues the letter saying that he will not prosecute a person without warning him in advance. That is why we have made our law explicit and clear. If merchants wish to enjoy trade with us on permanent basis, they must fearfully observe our law by cutting off once and for all the supply of opium. And me and Lindsay were surprised to hear the queen had never responded, which is kind of funny. She was probably just like, we will not fearfully observe anyone, dude. We're Great Britain. The word great is literally in our name. (laughs) Now we want to break down the question of what the letter reveals about China's view of foreign relationships between the Chinese emperor and other rulers. You guys can let us know in the comments after you finish the episode, but considering he says a few times that they are kind and compassionate, he clearly does not want any issues and cares about their relationship. However, he also says that they should fearfully observe them and that the trading between the two was transactional and could be taken away at any time. They come off polite in the letter, but stern and want their power or the power they thought they had to be known and taken seriously. Exactly. And he also uses moral arguments to persuade Queen Victoria by saying things like they should not do to others what they do not desire themselves, considering opium was illegal in Great Britain also. So basically 92% of the men were addicted to opium in China, which is crazy, and the economy and society were seriously damaged. The increase of opium in China between 1790 and 1832 brought an entire generation of addicts and social instability within the country. And no one had a work ethic anymore, so when when nothing had changed and the opium was still being supplied to the Chinese people, that sparked the opium wars. Yeah, so China went through two opium wars with Great Britain and lost both of them. China got absolutely destroyed by Great Britain, and after the first opium war, they had to compensate for Great Britain's losses and were forced to give the island of Hong Kong to the British and increase the number of trading ports where the British could trade and reside. This was called the Treaty of Nanjing in 1842. And there's a list of about five other requirements of things the Chinese emperor had to do to compensate Great Britain for the war. Starting off the list, the emperor of China agreed to pay $12 million for the expenses in the war. The Emperor of China agreed to pay $6 million, which was the value of the opium that was delivered to Canton in March 1839. He also agreed to unconditionally releasing all British subjects who were being imprisoned in any part of China. 
The Emperor of China agreed that the British subjects, as well as their families and establishments, would be allowed to reside for the merchant trading pursuits without any restraint in any of the following cities and towns. Canton, Amoy, Fuchaofu, Ningpo, and Shanghai. The Emperor of China also agreed that the Queen would be able to appoint a counselor or officer to act as a channel or mode to keep the peace between the Chinese authorities and the merchants in the cities listed above. The Emperor of China agreed to give the British port where they could maintain and repair their ships when necessary. He also had to agree to be governed by such laws and regulations as the Queen of Great Britain shall see fit to direct. So basically it was not good for China and they should have reconsidered before initiating an opium war. As for the second opium war, China legalized the opium trade and provided for the opening of more ports in China. Residents for the Western envoys in Beijing, foreign travel in the Chinese interior, and freedom of movement for Christian missionaries. China also gave Great Britain the southern portion of Kowloon Peninsula, located adjacent to Hong Kong. It was under Great Britain's rule for the next 99 years. And there you have it. The history of the opium wars in China and the effects of them being imperialized. Hold on, hold on. This is a new type of podcast for them, so let's give them a quick overview of what we talked about. Okay, so basically Great Britain wanted to open up more trading ports for themselves to trade with China because they wanted goods like silk and tea. But when China would only accept silver to trade with them, which was very expensive for Great Britain, they became a drug cartel and started trading opium with the Chinese, and then an entire generation of people in China were drug addicts and stopped working. So when the emperor of China, politely but slightly threatening, asked Queen Victoria to stop selling drugs to them, but it never stopped. The opium wars commenced. And then there were treaties with the major agreements being that Great Britain got to have Hong Kong for 99 years under their control. You probably feel really smart now, right? So I know you're probably upset because we were expecting a podcast about the beautiful and talented, amazing, show-stopping, flat-out amazing Harry Styles. And even though we'd prefer to talk about Harry Styles too, we thought this would be an interesting topic and we also needed a good grade for our history class. See you next time. What? <laughs> <laughs>